0: How detailed, how intentional do you want to be with a process of growing into your calling? That's why I believe people should consider should do seminary.
1: to the Picking Your Brain podcast, where we interview people doing ministry at a high level. And on today's episode, we have the Dr. Greg Wilton. What's up, Greg? How are you doing today?
0: Hey, well, I'm I'm honored to be talking to the Mr. Dr. <laughs> Blake Lewis, recently anointed as Dr. Lewis. Good to talk to you, man.
1: Well, <laughs> thank you. Good to talk to you as well. Um If you don't mind, Dr. Greg, for people that may not know you or don't know where you're serving, give us some of those details where God has you right now.
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm Greg Wilton serving as Dean of Level College. That is the undergraduate school at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary down here, of course, in New Orleans. Um, and so I teach classes related to missions and evangelism. So I'm Dean of the college. And my wheelhouse is evangelism and missions classes.
1: Yes, and I can echo that because we brought in uh, Greg to speak at our one of our events. It's called the 412 Student Conference, and he crushed it. So not to plug him, but if you're looking for a speaker for a big event you have coming up, I cannot highly recommend him enough. Uh, we had Jeff Wallace two years ago, and I was like, we set the bar too high. I don't know how we're gonna go from here. And Greg was just incredible as well. And so if you need somebody, Greg is great. Um, I'm sure you can find his information at the seminary and get in contact with him. He's incredible. So right.
0: Mike, that was very kind of you, man. And and uh you know, vice versa, that four twelve conference uh was meaningful and uh and needed. So I hope those who listen also uh consider that as an opportunity for future ministry engagement as you were helping to you know, cultivate students, cultivate leaders uh, as a result of that conference. So we had a lot of fun together, man. That was great.
1: Yeah, it was good. We ate some good food and played some golf. So that worked out well. You better believe it. (laughs) All right. Well, Greg, the format of the podcast is simple. I'm going to ask you a few questions about you as a minister and how God's used you and just how you think about ministry. And so we can learn from you today. And I want to start with the question, how did you know or what was that moment where you knew you were called to ministry?
0: I fought it. I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was pastoring uh, First Baptist in Spartanburg, South Carolina. He just wrapped up 30 years and recently retired. Uh, Both grandfathers are in ministry. Um, Both my uncles on my dad's side, his brother's. Um, uh, we're also in ministry, and and before my call into ministry, my brother also experienced a call into ministry as well. Um, so it was one of those things where it was in the family business. Uh, but for me, my story uh, very quickly was about understanding that first of all, uh, salvation is not necessarily a family affair. It is not. Uh, mm-hmm. Each one of us needs to come under the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ and profess Him. Uh, through faith and repentance and so that is the case for salvation and when it comes to a calling uh, I learned through um, my story my experience that although those things are happening in my life with people that I love uh, my inner circles uh, that does does not necessarily equate to me being called and the Lord God Mm -hmm. got a hold of my life uh, during my time at college At that moment, I thought I was going to go in a different career, in a different trajectory. And uh, one particular summer, uh, God got a hold of my life um, in the middle of the night, actually. And uh, he spoke to me on that very fateful day uh, in the inner parts of my heart and life, uh, just speaking to me and saying, when I speak, you obey. And I knew that that was, to me, the call of God. Uh, confirmed, of course, through God's Word. God never speaks outside of the boundaries of of His Word. It's always in in uh, cooperation and coordination with His Word. And there were, were also godly people in my life outside of my family uh, helping me to understand what God was doing. And so that's that's the certainty that I have in my life, that as, as much as I celebrate God speaking to all of those loved ones in my family, I'm mostly grateful that with regard to my calling, he spoke to me. And ever since that fateful uh, summer in college, I knew that I was on a trajectory, not necessarily to do any particular ministry assignment. I've done many of them already, but my calling was first and foremost to just simply follow him and uh, wherever he leads that I would go. And it's taken me on the trajectory that I currently am right now.
1: So I would say a lot of people that are listening to this are obviously in ministry and will have kids. And so what would what did your dad do specifically to not pressure you? Because I'm sure as as a pastor, we all probably would want our kids to follow maybe in the family business. And I hate to put it like that, you know, but you would want your kids potentially to do that. What did your dad do to say, not pressure you as a, hey, I need you. I want you to be a minister, but just to let you to do whatever God called you to. How, is there something specific he did?
0: No, I I think there was never that type of pressure. I mean, I was never, um, as I came into my own, like, you know, 13 and beyond, I didn't feel pressured to go to church. Um, I didn't feel pressured to have to show up to everything that was taking place at church. Of course, I was encouraged. And behind the scenes, I know my dad was hard at work as the leader of the church to set a environment and a, a place where, everyone would want to come, including his own uh, children. Um, So there was never pressure like that. And I think it's important to differentiate the difference between um, skills and, of course, giftedness and then calling. Um, Because there were certain times things that he would do, but not because he was trying to draw me towards ministry. Uh, I'll never forget those teenage days where he would – randomly call me up to go and close the service out in prayer, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with a call to ministry. That's just being a part of, you know, being in a preacher's family and I'm the preacher's kid and I get up there and close out the service in prayer or share a testimony or do things like that. My One of my first ever times of preaching before I was called into ministry in college was sitting outside of a, a prison during one of our youth ministry uh, tours that we did, going to different juvenile detention prisons during uh, a week of the summer. And my dad just slapping me and going, hey, guess what? You're up. You're up. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean you're up? Like the, the continent, Europe? No, 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 you're up like you're preaching. And I said, preaching about what? And he says, just tell them about Jesus. And, uh, Hmm. and so those are things like I would say are, uh, experiences and skills. And I would just say that there's nothing wrong with that. Like Mm -hmm. it's good to cultivate somebody's ability to speak in front of crowds or to learn how to be, um, uh, polite, learn how to communicate interpersonally doing things like that. Those are just skills. So I, Mm -hmm. I don't need to equate those with aspects of ministry. Now with the call of God, there's just good old fashioned coaching like I hope any father son dynamic would happen to do. And that that was definitely a part of my experience.
1: Gotcha. Well, so next question. Um, uh, we had you like I said, we had you in at our event and I just thought you were you were one of the best that I had seen at clearly communicating your points. Like you can listen to somebody preach a sermon and then you'd be like, all right, I think there was two or three points. I'm not sure. but I mean, It was good, but I don't remember what th- you were very clear on. This is point number one, this point number two. And you would repeat those points. And so when students would leave, I think they, they walked away with understanding exactly what you were trying to say. And so I say all that to ask the question, what resources do you use when you're preparing a sermon? And then what does that process look like for you as you're developing out uh, your sermon outline?
0: It's become a little bit simple for me in the sense of like Logos. I just, I'm not paid by them or anything like that. I just, I've really grown to love uh, that Bible software that kind of gives me access to all the commentaries that I need, all the insights that I do. So I have that, of course, that I use. Um, I like just simply marinating on the text And Mm -hmm. and I want to like you know, in many ways, just try and repeat it over and over and over again. There's a small little walking track that's not too far from my house on the seminary campus. And I sometimes grab my Bible and I'll walk laps. And the point of walking the laps is not necessarily to put the points in place just yet, but to repeat the text over and over and over again so that I can kind of really um, hopefully use a process of meditating on God's word to see Mm -hmm. what God's word is trying to teach me. And then using people like my dad and others, uh, just the simplicity of that phrase, you've probably heard it before, and it's probably not his, um, but with regard to developing messages, building the house before you build the home. And so you build the house, whereas you do everything you can to provide the structure, the points, Mm -hmm. So you look at the text and you're trying not to build the home, which is decorate this room or to put in the accent pieces or anything like that. You're, you're just, you're just developing the structure of the message first. That's building the house, the foundation on God's word, however far you want to take that metaphor. And then you build the home through illustrations, stats, um, applications, things like that, and that simple framework for me yeah. has meant a lot because it says, okay, concentrate on the house first. Once that's built up, then you start to insert. And so it helps me because I love a good story, but I mm-hmm. don't want to be. I don't. I don't want my message to be all about the delivery of this illustration. Yeah. You know, I don't want to form the text towards the illustration. I want to use the illustration for the text. And so that's that's kind of helps me in my process.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's great because, yeah, I, I'm i a I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories in my sermon. And so I have had those where I've leaned into like, man, but this is going to be a really good closing. Let me make this scripture. You no, know, not make it line up. but I've fallen into that trap. And so I love I've never heard that before about build the home before or build a house before the home. I've never heard it put that yep. way. So that's that really is cool. I, I, I've learned something on this. <laughs> on. Awesome. I'm, I'm uh, passing
0: it on. Second Timothy 2, 2, the things that you have heard from me, presence of many witnesses and trustees of faithful men to be able to teach others also. I mean, I think that even comes down to aspects of the tricks of the trade. We absolutely. should be doing this with one another to encourage because that's not me. That may be from my dad or somewhere else that he received it yeah. as well.
1: That's awesome. Oh, one of the things that I did mention as I was introducing you was that you're also one of the chaplains for the New Orleans Saints, which is really cool. Um, that's a great opportunity. I bet that's a fun opportunity. I think you were in, were you in Tampa Bay this last week? Is that right?
0: Yep, I was there. In fact, I was with the guys this morning at the practice facility. So we that's we went so through cool. uh, Luke 15. We went over the uh, the parable oh. of the lost sheep. So that's what we did this morning.
1: That's awesome. Um, yeah. and so I, I have questions. I would love to just dive into that, but we'll just let that be. But, uh, but, um, well, I'll, I'll dive in for just a second. So, like, I've, I asked this to you in person, but, like, um, who would you say out of all the guys of the Saints, who's like locked in? Who's people like I think Derek Carr, we would assume, um, is, but like, who else would you say, man? These guys are just they're 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 hungry.
0: You'd be you'd be surprised every year. So, I've done it officially for two years, my brother's done it for a lot longer than that, and then. You know, he was able to kind of help me kind of get, get up and running this particular year. He's a pastor now in First Baptist in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and so every year they've got incredible, incredible godly guys. And this year is no different. Um, so I'm I'm very grateful for incredible, solid witnesses that are yeah. on every team, coaches, players, things like that. And so it, it's going to get me in a little bit of trouble if I start yeah. name dropping yeah. because there are yeah, don't do, a yeah. number of them. But you said Derek. I just I love his heart for the Lord. I mean, uh, guy like Derek and, of course, Demario, he's known by some of those videos that pop mm-hmm. up. But, man, yeah. when you meet him personally, well, he just he just loves Jesus. I mean, he just loves That's Jesus. Cool. James Winston loves the Lord. I mean, on and on the list goes. And so. You know of course not everybody is a believer um but there are quite a few and um and and it it can manifest because they come to chapel services and bible studies but they're very busy men as well and i i i really respect them for the way in which they know that they've got um a big plate in front of them and they've got to be strategic in how they go about it and and i've i've really respected some of them being a bit more anchored to their pastor or to their church even from a distance and 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 being connected that way and and so i i definitely do not want to do anything that would minimize the importance mm-hmm. of participation in their local church i'm just i'm a supplement you know that's yeah. it i'm yeah. i'd never need to be jesus is the main thing and then the way in which jesus Uh, continues to advance his kingdom through his church is, is paramount. It's, it's important. And those guys are pretty cool in that regard and how they do that.
1: Yeah. Sorry. that I kind of took us off. That was, that was interesting to me, but it goes with my next question is, well, what advice would you give to, if we have student pastors um, that are listening uh, that they're a chaplain for their local high school team, or they're wanting to be a chaplain for their local high school team, what advice would you give for them on how they could either be more effective in that, in that, that realm of ministry.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I need to answer this by saying I walk delicately here because yeah. I'm no expert in that regard and, uh, I'm just doing it and learning from others. Um, I would say, um, like follow the model of Jesus. He invested in, he, he shared with everyone, but he invested in a few, And so Mm -hmm. that was his approach. You want to do that. If you're uh, a leader of anything, especially within the church, you want to minister and and invest in everyone who's there. Anyone who comes, you're going to pour your life into and proclaim the gospel and be about the business of evangelism and discipleship. But there will come some moments where you realize, Hey, I've got to focus on some select uh, individuals, maybe even leaders as we see God's kingdom multiplied. So when it comes to chaplain work, um, I think that there that's no different for a sports team. Focus on the whole team. You make those touch points and you, you're just um, checking in on people, um, make it all uh, so much about loving and supporting them and in, in their journeys. And then the ones who are ready to roll, you, um, you, you meet with often, you go get meals, you, you do things like that and uh, invest into them. And then just keep this in mind for sports teams. There's a cycle. There's a cycle. So that means there are players that come and go, you know, so if it could be for high school, of course, I mean, if you're lucky and you got a, uh, you know, a stud, he's there for four years, starting as a freshman all the way to a senior year. Um, But it's still four years. So you've got to really pay attention to the to the anchors that are there a little bit longer than that, and um, mm-hmm. and so you can hear there's a lot of uh, relationships with regard to this stuff. As I hope that it would be in church work, and then my two cents. It's uh, it may be advice, but man, give them the word. They 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 get all the pep talks and things like that that they need. So enjoy doing all the pep talks, but you're not there to be the guy that's ro- rah rah go get them, you know, mm-hmm. one for the gipper kind of thing. Do, use those aspects, but um, like give them what they need. They need the word and enjoy mm-hmm. spending time in the word with them. You know, just do that. And and I'm telling you, um, it may not initially attract some of those outliers. I get it, you know, but um, uh, over time. Through consistent witness, it'll be the very thing that they'll be craving. Trust me.
1: Yeah, uh, just uh, and then I uh, and I know every school district is different. Uh, talking about how much you can share faith, how much you can't. Um, but there was a there was a story I heard, and I won't say names. But there was a guy. He was a student pastor, and he had been building relationships with this team. And there was a stud that was a, a quarterback. It was going to be his very first year to be starting varsity, and it was at the jamboree, and he was terrified. And um, it was a uh, Uh, In that particular district, they were doing really, really kind of nailing down uh, people not sharing their faith with students. You can't share faith. And so that student knew that he went up to the the minister and said, hey, can you pray for me before the game? I'm so nervous. And that student pastor said, I'm going to pray for you. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to look out at the field (laughs) and we're not going to bow our heads. We're just going to pray together right here looking at the field. And so he led him through prayer. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Blake, that reminds me of a story that happened last season. Um, One of the starters got injured, and Mm -hmm. so he wasn't playing for the next game. So the guy who is his backup, I won't say what his name is, but um, he's going to be starting, and uh, he's on the line, and the team that they're facing is the Los Angeles Rams. And on the other side of him is Aaron Donald. And this is one of the first games he's ever started, and he's about to face – maybe the best defensive mm. player that we've seen in quite some time, Aaron Donald. So <laughs> I'm over there on the um, sideline pregame, and uh, he sees me. I see him, and he quickly comes over to me, and he goes, brother, pray for me. And so <laughs> we, have, we have a moment real quick of praying, and I only share that because, um, man, that those are the cool moments yeah. where – through relationship and friendship and everything like that, you really do get to be there for guys, not only during those times, but then, you know, triumphs and tragedies show up and you get to participate there as well. So,
1: Yeah, and that's whether or not you're doing chaplain or just any way you can be involved in students or people's life that may not be believers. If you build that relationship, they're going to come to you in those moments where they need you because they know you have a relationship with God. And so anyway, that's cool. Um. Uh, all right. So you are uh, in seminary life, and I think I think just through our conversation before, I don't know that you planned that, or that was something you looked to do. Right? You weren't looking to be in seminary. Not and necessarily. So, no. Yeah. So how did you make that jump from being a pastor and you know and doing those things to now? I'm going to be in seminary. I'm going to be a dean of a co- I'll be a dean of a seminary.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. The call to God, uh, the the call to follow God is to a person, not to a position and not to a place. And mm-hmm. that's to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as much as we would love it to be to a place. I mean, I love New Orleans, so I'm very glad I'm here. But uh, it's not going to last if if I built a calling based upon place or if it's based upon position, you know, and mm-hmm. this is. I am so over my head in this world um, more times than I can count um, uh, with regard to all the aspects of this job. And there's just such a a great team here that, that is so helpful and it's a team effort of what we do and accomplish here. So the answer to your question, first of all, is because I'm I'm convinced in my own heart and life, I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, wherever he leads, I'll go, you know, that old hymn, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. And, um, and so I did pastor small church in South Louisiana as a seminary student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a missionary over in Southeast Asia. Um, and then the last job that I was doing was uh, working with refugees and immigrants in, in Atlanta, of all places. And, um, and so how did I come to this? Um, I didn't seek it. Uh, Dr. Dew reached out to me, invited me to consider this. And um, I did share that with the Lord that I did not anticipate this, nor did I look for it. Um, But as it was presented to me, I said, God, I'd like to do this. Mm
1: -hmm. This,
0: this sounds incredible. Um, And in my earlier days of ministry and continuing to this day, Uh, My wife and I practice something we refer to um, sometimes as the prayer of destruction, which is uh, just like, I suppose, Moses before the promised land and that moment of after the the great calamity of the golden calf. And uh, and God was about to move forward, uh, but just move forward with Moses and without the rest. And Moses says, please, we can't move forward uh, apart from you. We can't move forward apart from you, and and so I've applied that philosophy, um, and when it come to being here, I'm just saying, God, this is what I want to do. But if it's not what you want me to do, please destroy it. Please make it abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. And so I've walked by faith into this role, and I haven't looked back yet on the basis of the opportunity to make a kingdom investment wherever I'm at. You know, um, I I I. I I try to teach this often, that you don't go out of your way to witness, you make witnessing your way. And that's very Mm -hmm. important. You don't go out of your way to witness, you make witnessing your way. And I want the students to understand that as they are called to the nations, as they're called to churches, um, as they're called to different um, locations and things like that, as they have a specific calling to go a particular direction, uh, they still don't have to go out of their way to witness. Whatever mm-hmm. shows up is the opportunity to be light and salt and to advance the kingdom. And uh, and so that's, that's kind of where I've found myself in this uh, journey and praising God for it, praising God that he's allowing me to do what I want to do. It's been amazing.
1: That's cool. And I think that's going to help somebody that Maybe not transitions to a seminary, but maybe they're transitioning out of student ministry or out of children's ministry into something else or, you know, making any kind of transition. I think what you said at the very beginning was was great, that we're not going to a place necessarily. We're going to where God's calling is on our life. That's good. Yep. All right. Final absolutely. final thing. And this again should be right in your wheelhouse by somebody who attended seminary and, you know, got a doctorate degree and somebody that now is on the other side of, of trying to get people to come to seminary and understanding the 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 purpose and the reason behind it and why it matters. Uh why would you say a minister, if they're young, whether they're in level college or going to get their master's or even going to get a doctorate, why should someone go to seminary? What can they get out of seminary that they couldn't get just serving in a local church for 20, 30 years.
0: A great question that needs to be followed up for me with another question to anyone who's thinking about this. And I just simply say, with regard to a call of God on your life, what is your process? That's the thing that I would ask you to consider. What is your process? We're all engaged in the process, trusting the process of time. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, right? That he is con- continuing to help us in a process being conformed into his will, into his image. So time, that's happening for all of us, no matter where we are. But how um, how detailed, how intentional do you want to be with a process of growing into your calling. That's why I believe people should consider should do seminary. Um, mm-hmm. Because you can go through a process of in essence, being a self trained person. You got logos. you don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, you can access all the books, there's no need for that. But Are you trusting that aspect of the process to really develop yourself into the person of God that he's calling you to be? So you could be like at FBC Houghton, phenomenal church, man, amazing. And so you could you could be there and you could uh, entrust yourself to those who are older, um, more mature in ministry and things like that. Uh, How far are you willing to go to receive discipleship just through that process? Now, I think that's a great pathway to go and you should do that. Mm -hmm. But that's why seminary should be added to those layers, whether you do it from a distance. So you can be a part of like a a church like that. Um, Personal discipleship personal devotions committed to the Lord Jesus and trusting that process. Mm -hmm. Then you also have the community of faith that helps you to cultivate skill sets, giftedness, calling. But the aspect of seminary takes that and multiplies it uh, exponentially because it guides you into classes that, yeah, sometimes you're going to be like, what in the world is this class all about? or it's gonna guide you into these, these papers or things like that. But it's a process that you endure that is helping to mature you so that you really know what to do with your sermons. You really know what to do with your mm-hmm. counseling. You really know what to do with aspects of ministry within the church or what it means to go to the nations. And then the process also, if I just add this, and that's why I espouse and say, Everyone who can come to a seminary, like actually come to a seminary like NOBTS, like Level College should, because trusting the process of the networking opportunity for the community of faith, it's Mm -hmm. it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible to see all that God will open up as a result of being around other people who are same stage, um, uh, trying to understand exactly how the Lord is leading them. I will never be able to repay uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for all they have done for my life and especially for my ministry. And I am one of thousands of people, not only for Mm -hmm. this seminary, but for the other seminaries that can truly say the Lord mightily used their seminary time to help them really exponentially move forward in a process of seeing what God wants to do in and through their heart and life. So that's, that's, you heard me say that and ask you a ton of times, what is your process with regard to being called out and then for cultivating that? That's why seminary is crucial.
1: Yeah. Like for me, the two main things that you touched on both of them was that I got to build a little community. And even though I did Online, I still got to build a community with guys, that I got to meet from all over the country. Um, that we like the name of the podcast. We call each other, pick each other's brain. Hey, what are you thinking about with this? What are, like there was a guy I hopped on a phone call with a month ago that I learned I met in seminary, and I knew he was doing ministry well. Um, so community is great; you get to be with people, but also it gave me more of a holistic view of the church because if I just stay in my student ministry lane, talk to my student ministry people, you know that's all I'm gonna learn, but I had to take classes on the administrative side of the church. Like what are what are the policies that we have to have? And you know, some people think that's boring, but there's purpose behind it. There's reason we have to have policies, a reason we have to have things. I took a children's ministry class. I was not looking forward to, to learning more about children's ministry, but now I have such a great respect for what our children's ministers do. They're not just babysitting. They're setting down foundations for me as a student pastor that I get to build upon. And so it's just so much seminary is so much more than just learning how to write a sermon. Cause that's, that's you'd learn true. that, but you learn so much more about just the church as a whole that you will not get just sitting inside your church office. Um, I at mean, your
0: church. It wasn't the first ministry assignment that I had, but pretty close to it. I worked as a janitor at a church while a seminary mm-hmm. student. And I'm telling you to trust the process to learn, <laughs> Hey, look, we're in it to serve guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't go this direction. Don't jump into this world if you think you're in it for anything else excepting to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to be his servant wherever he leads. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're doing this. Blake, that's exactly why you're doing what you're doing where you are. And same for mm-hmm. me, because Jesus is worth it. <laughs> There's yeah. no one worthy of our devotion And because of that, we just want to serve him for all of our days and then trust the process of saying, man, if it means I have to figure out how to be a janitor for a while or a (laughs) campus policeman, that's what I did as a (laughs) means of trusting the process so that God could mold me for what he wants to do, man, I'm all for it. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me today and we got to walk through some really good stuff that I think is going to help some people Um, And so, again, thank you for joining me today.
0: Blake, it's a pleasure, man. Really appreciate you.
1: Oh, well, thank you again. And uh, uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for joining. And please make sure to go hit that follow button so you can catch every episode that we put out. We have so many great guys that are still going to come on uh, that I know you're going to get to learn from. So make sure you follow uh, to stay up to date. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Who that.